एंड वर लाइव Welcome to another episode of Tectonic Shift with me Rajneel Kamath and me Roshni Nair. In this podcast we discuss how technology today is going to impact our tomorrow. Roshni I know you're very sleepy you're yawning <laughs> you know. Mm. It's a good thing you didn't drive when you were coming here. So I was shouting to Corbett over the weekend. Mm. It was a good weekend. Mm-hmm. We'd gone with my wife, my dog. Mm. And then it takes about 5 hours from Delhi we got back. Mm. And then suddenly my car stopped. What the hell? We tried everything. First, there was some notification on the screen which said, "Oh, your, uh, you know, the sunroof was open when the sunroof was closed. All of that." Hmm. We tried everything, and I had to call up Hyundai, and Hyundai came, and then ultimately the battery was ready. We can they switched on the car. So I had some colleagues with me, and I said, "Okay, you know what? Don't wait for me. Huh. Please reach where you have to and continue working. We can't like you know wait for the mechanic to come." Huh. And to my pleasant surprise, this is peak Delhi time. Hmm. Actually, Gurgaon time. Most of the traffic is coming from Gurgaon to Delhi, and within two minutes, I found a cab. Actually, like deja vu. Like, why am I feeling this sense of joy? Hmm. And then I realized that because I had gone to Bangalore a couple of weeks back. <laughs> Can I ask which cab, uh, rather which platform you used? I'm an Uber loyalist. So I never use Ola. I have not liked it ever because I also think like people complain about surge pricing, but when you look at Ola's prices, it's like a hole automatically burns in your pocket <laughs> for me anyway. All my ride hailing experiences have been pretty good. Yeah. The worst one I ever had was in Bangalore, and um, unfortunately, at least up until a few years ago, I would remember seeing. a lot of anecdotes by women on social media about how unsafe it was because yeah. you know the route to the bangalore airport is so long and then there's a particular flyover whose name i don't remember they're supposed to go up and a lot of these guys would like take circuitous routes under no, it on the way to the airport they wouldn't take that toll road they would go to yeah. this really shady road exactly they didn't have lights only to save on the toll fare and when it was horrifying because i had a flight flight to catch and long story short the you know the emergency button did not work um the co- nothing happened finally thankfully there was a traffic cop on the road in the in w- virtually the middle of nowhere and i had to get out of the car and he helped me get into a vehicle it was really traumatizing um so that has been my ride hailing experience in bangalore and also things like you know almost zero availability when there's like chunnun munnu rain <laughs> really bad yeah. so for our listeners as you rightly guessed we are discussing ride hailing and the new kid on the block who's likely to transform the ride hailing experience in india which is evs and getting back to our experiences so you know for me um i have both ola uber and blue smart okay um where i stay in, where my parents stay in bangalore hmm. uh, for some reason blue smart doesn't operate in that area Yeah. Even in Delhi, they are not all over the city. Yeah, yeah they're not operational in most places. Yeah, so so they have they have very clearly selected hubs within metros or yeah. whatever, and where they know people are going to ply back and forth. You know, Blue Smart in particular has gained a lot of press attention, and then this EV boom, right? Like you said, is it going to transform? Yeah. Um ride hailing in India and to what extent this is a really important topic because uh Blue Smart is just one is the most popular um EV focused uh ride hailing or fleet operator It but is. then you also have Quick Ride and Chauffeur and Envy 
and I I don't I didn't even know all these existed by the way before doing <laughs> research. But it's really we are seeing quite we are seeing a lot of hullabaloo about you know the differences in the business models of um, these operators, yeah. and I think rightfully so because all the pain. Um, the painful experiences a lot of us have had, you know, right from you know driver behavior or cancellations, as it there's a lot to do with the business model there, which is predominantly what o- Uber and Ola had for like many many years and still do. Yeah, you know, but if you go, if you should trace back, hmm. you'll remember Meru, of course, which is still around. Yeah, still around. You'll remember mega cabs, hmm. and a lot of them. What used to happen was, I think initially a lot of these came up. Because in many cases, the airport was in the outskirts or the airport was far from where you are. So there were primarily airport pickup and drops. Hmm. I remember Meru and Mega Cabs were known for that. And when Uber came, when launched in I think 2013 or 14 in India, they used to provide, I mean, as a gimmick to get you to download the app. For 230 rupees, you could travel in a Mercedes S-Class. I made full use of it. I don't, do you remember those days? You, you seem so perplexed. I think Uber came and just like, um, blew everybody out of the water wh- whoever existed number one because a uh, lot more routes right yeah. um, and it's not a fixed route like we are not talking about airport routes yeah. or like you know specific routes within the city And th- but Uber and I think this is also it's, it's actually really sad that this picked up because what it tells you is that public transport is exactly. pardon my French but also don't fucked in India <laughs> Okay, like uh, if you are not in Delhi or Mumbai, um, I can't think of any other metro that has public transport. Well, Mumbai a lot better than Delhi. Delhi, of course, has metro, but the buses. Yeah, but again, you can. I think Mumbai will be better when the metro comes up there. But again, see, the metro saved Delhi. So my point is, this all happened in a Bangalore classic case, like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why did Ula and all fly there because you have a situation where there are no buses the autos no, don't plan Bangalore does have a better tra- public transport system I would argue but the auto situation yeah I remember autos would refuse to go anywhere hmm. and would not want to go by the meter no still don't By the, Mumbai is the only city where they fly by meter yeah, I had gone to Chennai last last week and I had a huge fight with the cab driver there. Also. Yeah, so this but that was a Kali Pili cab. So that is the that is the context where you you see Uber, Ola, and a lot of these guys coming to India and you know being a relief for a lot of us. But the app model was also different, right? Because I mean, the Meru experience was what you call up a call center, hmm. you have to pre-book well in advance, exactly, and then only get a cab. Yes. And here, now suddenly, at, I mean, at the at your fingertips, you can be wherever you want. You at the click of a button, you get a cab in a few minutes, and it's mm. right there. And that really was the promise. But what we should remember is that while o- Uber and Ola didn't own the cabs, a company like Meru did own the cab, so they had their own fleet, mm-hmm. and then they ha- they had drivers who were on it versus uh, Uber and Ola, which are aggregators of cab operators, or you know what they call as driver partners. So it's really important, like um, harking to the point I made about the business model. Yes. It's really important to talk about it because when, uh, if you're an Uber, you don't own any of the vehicles. You're not even leasing. It's your driver partners who own them. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people must be wondering, like, why are cancellations so rife? It is relatively simple in the sense that simple to understand in the sense that if you own a vehicle, your fuel prices are go- going through the roof virtually every month you have to pay EMIs you've got to pay for insurance you pay EMIs insurance basically the operational costs of owning a vehicle are sky high if you are a driver partner number one 
uh, you're paying for escalating fuel costs. You have to cover a lot more distance to pick people up sometimes because there's a lot more competition, surge pricing and all that. So when demand is high, which is why surge pricing exists apparently, because when demand is high and supply is low, you travel. You have to travel a greater distance yeah. to pick the person up. Now, <laughs> what happens is a lot of them are like, this is not worth it because. This is a classic case and I remember reading in Forbes, this is, we've all seen this happening before. So back in the 1920s and all in the US when the Ford Model T came on the roads. Did you know like in the early 1900s, a lot of taxi cab operators back then were really pissed off because here was a cheap car and hitting the roads in and a lot more number of vehicles on the roads, which was, which was a problem for them because things were still unregulated. Yeah. And this is a very tricky business because when there's abundant supply, your barriers to entry are comparatively low, especially now. Uh, the customer switching costs are also low. Uh, variable costs are high. So in this environment, you have a situation where the drivers are like, what the hell? Yeah. So what you see then in the late, I mean, you know, in the previous decade hmm. was Meru and the other cab operators kind of go into oblivion. And Uber and Ola suddenly rise, yeah. right? And then you start seeing a lot of problems with Uber and Ola. You see the regulatory regime start kicking in. Hmm. A lot of uh, operating these cabs are very state-specific laws. Hmm. Like, for example, Bangalore can decide, hmm. as it has, that it doesn't want bike taxis. Hmm. That policy may be very different from the state of Delhi, for example. Or what Mumbai may choose to have. I mean, think of Goa. Goa even today doesn't have Uber and Ola. They have their own cab app called Goa Miles. <laughs> the, the Goa cab mafia is quite Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite something, right? Like imagine yeah. for a decade now almost, you managed to keep these two players out of your state. Mm. So obviously there are a lot of these issues. Mm. But Uber and Ola starts uh, peaking. I for one gave up on a personal car till about 2019. That, And then towards the end of 2019, just before the pandemic, two mm. things happened. One is... I started seeing a lot of cancellations. Hmm. I started seeing a lot of delays. So the reliability factor for me kept going down. And then the post-pandemic, I think 21, 22, when things started opening up, hmm. a lot of drivers just vanished. Hmm. I think people realized that, it's, and, and a lot of drivers I used to speak to would also said it's better going back into private than drive, driving for Uber and Ola. Hmm. And then of course you see now many variants. Um, you're seeing a lot of companies come up who are not doing this maybe at a national level but at a city level now. So for example, in Bangalore, you have Shoffer, you have Envy, you have Vega Cabs and Quick Ride. In Delhi, you also have E-Taxi and Avera. You do have Blue Smart, which is, I mean, Blue Smart also there in Bangalore. Mm. In Bombay and Pune, you have something called Cab E and Green Rides. Mm. In Hyderabad, you have Om and Hail Cabs. I don't know about any of these, okay? I, I mean, I, but, but because it's very localized. So now you're seeing right. like a lot of these local startups but come I up. Would say, and I would surprisingly, sh- all of them are EV-based. But I would I would basically say that when it comes to a larger presence, it's mostly Uber Green, I think Ola Green also, I don't know, and Blue Smart. Yeah, but look, that's where shifting models now come. Hmm. And we wrote a story about this in The Signal, yeah. where we said maybe Blue Smart is a new Indigo. There have been m- m- many takes on it. And uh, firstly, why is Blue Smart getting... Let, let's just go back to basics. Why the hype about Blue Smart? So since we've discussed the business model and why it is problematic, you know, things like the customer experience and even the driver experience is unpleasant. Uh, when it comes to EV uh, ride, ride healing operators, 
the model is different because unlike in the traditional uh, you know the internal combustion engine guys you have this thing where you're like okay ev is number 1 it's too expensive to own for drivers so we own the fleet or we lease the fleet from any ev company or a fleet operator number 1 so that the driver doesn't have to worry with being saddled with a huge expensive vehicle and operating it So Blue Smart comes and says hey we are doing this really radical thing in India which is essentially going back to, to the, the Meru, Meru model with an app and EVs only Exactly so it is Meru 2.0 essentially right and then they are like because of this because the operational costs are low for the driver we can afford to give them a fixed income every month um which is interesting because they're still contractors and not employees and there's a lot of press about oh how this is so like beneficial for drivers and everything and then of course you have the environmental uh, angle you know no emissions this that a lot of claims it's a significant challenge to uber and ola whatever what? but even the entrenched players now have had shifting business models right like there's uber green right there's uber reserve hmm right So what you're seeing is that uh, these are very fluid businesses in the sense that the business model isn't carved in stone. Mm-hmm. Ola, for example, I think the focus is fully shifting to being a manufacturer of EVs versus being a ride-hailing. You know, they're far behind Uber today in the country, from what I'm given to understand. I remember reading the story in uh, the morning context about how Uber India is doing much better than Ola, and Ola meanwhile has retrenched. Yeah. like you said right it's gone more into manufacturing than being a customer facing platform um also interestingly uber uh, the the last results i think in june july it's taken that company 14 years to turn an operating profit for the first time which But on is on the back of ride hailing or on the back of food delivery uh both actually but also i also dara khushro shahi cleaned up the mess that travis kalanik <laughs> yeah. which is why i don't see uber as an aggressive company anymore even in india No, but when it comes to EVs, Rajneel, something like twenty-five thousand EVs uh, are not being placed, and which is which I believe are going to be deployed until twenty twenty-five. That's a lot. I think I think that would make it larger than Blue Smart. Although I don't know how many orders Blue Smart has. Ten thousand is a number that they initially touted. Yeah. yeah, and also remember the thing about Uber is the presence. Is, it it has the scale that Blue Smart does not. Yeah. Also remember, Blue Smart had recently said that they're not just one business; they have a allied chain of businesses, right? Mm. So Which that, is that diversification plan in terms of how they want to yeah, also so earn? Yeah, so that is that is I think of all the stories we've done on the sector, that was actually my favorite. It uh, that was a story we curated from the cap table. Yeah. About how uh, Blue Smart Chief Anmol Jaggi, like, what is he trying to do to raise money? It was an interesting story because that does tell you. Uh, so I think in the latest financial results, it didn't do all that well. Blue Smart's losses surged by sixty six percent in FY twenty twenty two. Efforts to raise two hundred and fifty million dollars didn't materialize, so it ended up raising forty two million dollars from existing investors. But then Anmol Jaggi, like you said, has this entire ecosystem. Yeah. People know of Blue Smart, but he is actually a guy who's been around in clean, the clean energy space for quite a long time. I, yes. I believe they used to like manufacture solar cells and uh, mostly solar energy peripherals and parts and stuff like that. He's got a company called Gensol Engineering, yeah. uh, which is a pretty lucrative solar energy arm. Um, then Blue Smart Mobility, which I believe is the consumer-facing business, right? Uh, there's also a subsidiary called Blue Smart Charge. So what Jaggi is trying to do is that he's realized that with Blue Smart Charge, for example, you can 
consider having charging points and having other companies use those charging points so you can become an aggregator for other evs this is a realization i'm increasingly coming to when it comes to how evs are going to change or not change ride hailing i don't think you can be operationally profitable unless you have like this whole bevy of interconnected businesses which is why tata is my favorite player in this game <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know one of the winners in the entire ride hailing has been the i mean vehicle manufacturers right maruti yeah, tata and now tata tata not just as tata motors but as the entire group right i mean see because at the end of the day evs you need charging infrastructure right you need power and again as we've covered in the newsletter on quite on a daily basis like india we have a lot of ambition and right rightly so for evs but uh, we have the subsidy uh, india has a subsidies uh, well it offers subsidies to evs under fame which is like short for the faster adoption of and manufacturing of hybrid and electric vehicles my god such a mouthful anyway <laughs> so recently uh, uh, for the for the second uh, second part of the scheme india has decided again rightly so that we want to prioritize public transport and the charging e- infrastructure in the country which is like left wanting um as far as i know i think uh, according to one study india would need to install at least 1.32 million chargers by 2030 to ensure an ideal ratio of 1 per 40 evs we are sorely lacking there now where tata comes into the picture is uh it's not just a question of tata motors which is manufacturing a whole bunch of evs that are doing pretty well when it comes to the private vehicle category tata power it is it is it is a it is a discom so yeah. you you're manufacturing cars you're a discom you have tata technologies which is focusing on ev engineering solutions you have tcs which is the it juggernaut which is apparently going to build technology which is working on building technology such as advanced driver assistance systems Even something tata we LXC. discovered yeah. in the, uh, something we discussed sorry in the last episode yeah, yeah. Uh, then tata motors finance which is giving you the structured financing uh, financing options for you know guys like blue smart and etc who want to lease vehicles from you So Tata is like covered, man. Yeah, Tata chemicals on the batteries. Oh yes. Tata yes. chemicals on the batteries. Yeah. Okay. Then and also it's getting into uh, local manufacturing quite a bit when it comes to next uh, cutting edge technology for the future yeah. as well. Not just when it comes to phones, but you know green uh, energy yeah. parts, peripherals, etc. Not even that. Tata is also into kind of uh, aviation. Mm-hmm. So who knows? There could be. air taxis as well of course air taxis in india isn't a reality yet so mm-hmm. there's been a lot of conversations on that <laughs> you know but tata also then i remember the indicas used to be the mainstay of the cabs and now suddenly the tata nexon and the mg yeah, and EZS those those and, are pretty good cars by the way i yeah, mean i mean it's got good consumer feedback as well right yeah, yeah. and the, the india's largest car manufacturer maruti suzuki hasn't even launched an ev yet they've announced it but I mean you can argue that right now things are still early stage like in the sense that of course there are disadvantages um I believe like as of now in the cars we have in the market can on a single charge I believe they can only go like up to 150 to 200 kilometers which means that a lot of your long distance ride hailing whatever on an EV is not going to work so yeah. far so one of the things that's been profitable for EVs are the airport journeys and intercity travel yeah that's basically yeah it. And in, I mean, yes, I think the EVs currently are mainly city 
city urban also travel charging cars. in and of itself takes time like un- unlike going to a, you know just going to a gas station and getting petrol yeah. in the tank and being done within minutes so charging in itself is like a pretty long arduous comparatively arduous exercise 45 minutes to 1 hour again depending on the model yeah which i mean yeah it depends on the car i think if you look at blue smart's fleet they also do have byd cars they have the mg ezs uh they do have the tata they cars. have they have byd byd is having a pro by the way the because the i i believe like india's cracking down or no their proposal down, their proposal didn't go through didn't go through to proposal like make in india through, or yeah. have a joint venture in india correct Correct. Yeah, I mean, some people believe that was to favor Tesla, and some people believe because it's a Chinese company, the Indian government didn't seem too um, excited about their proposition. So obviously, the ride-hailing, I mean, EVs have come as a saver only in terms of the fact that there's no emissions. You get to save on operational cost, you sa- get to save on uh, fuel. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, right, a whole lot of other things. And while a lot of this is changing in the ride-hailing industry, the one thing that's not changing is. the position of gig workers in this economy again and we spoke about and you mentioned how now drivers don't have to own the cars and maintain the cars and all of that yeah so they're probably better off mm-hmm. and yet that boom article didn't paint a very rosy picture of how this new economy which is driven by evs right aims of like you know we uh, they will have a most secure monthly income if i can call it that yeah. you know this very rosy picture um again thanks to our producer shorbury because i did not know about this article by the way uh, we'll post it in the show notes because we think everybody should read it pretty important because like you said at the end of the day it boils down to labor yes right the people who drive your cars and fundamentally nothing has changed if you think about it if you are a if you are a, a gig driver if i can call it that you have two options you have to choose between agency and you choose between security agency is owning your own vehicle and you know cancelling rides or doing everything uh, because you are in operational control yeah and security is like this thing right that okay i don't have agency but at the same time i'm going to have some at least when it comes to the monthly income or even a daily wage i'm going to get more i know what i'm going to get those are the two options <laughs> But yeah, when it comes to the latter, you were you uh, you were talking about the boom article. Yeah, so I mean, what the boom article stated was, if you were a driver on Blue Smart, you could make about seventeen hundred rupees a day. Mm-hmm. But if there was even a single complaint against you, oh, I believe uh, the claim was that you can earn up to twenty eight hundred bucks a day. Aha. Uh-huh. But if mm-hmm. there's a single complaint against you, yeah, they will cut thousand rupees straight away, and not even giving you the option of being heard. Yeah, and they've recounted stories where, for example, uh, a person. um blue smart doesn't allow pets but mm-hmm. this person came in with a pet mm-hmm. and um, he said hey you know the rules don't allow for a pet to be in the car the car gets dirty and the person said no no we'll clean the car hmm. and when they got off he said hey can you clean the car the person filed a complaint saying this person asked me to clean the car yeah and right? that complaint so apparently they they are supposed to ha- they ha- they report to some uh, a designation called hub manager but apparently hub managers are not responsive yeah so it's not a dialogue it's just that a complaint is logged on the app and before they can even you know um, present their case thousand yeah. bucks is like gone yeah not even that i think another, there was another case which they highlighted where this person didn't pay saying mm-hmm. he didn't have cash and then the next day this person went to the you know the driver went to the customer's house saying hello mm-hmm. i mean for you it's a small amount but for me it's a huge amount and it gets cut from my scheme of things of course so 
please pay up and that person again gave him a bad review and he lost money not once but twice yeah which is pretty bonkers but then in a system like uber and ola hmm. you can there's a two way rating mm-hmm. the driver can rate the passenger exactly. the passenger can rate the driver I I I don't know if I mean the article didn't specify if there was a similar system on uh, Have you traveled Blue by Blue Smart? I have and I've rated that I, to be very honest I thought Blue Smart was a fantastic service. Mm-hmm. What I will ding them for is maybe the fact that I don't get a cab immediately. But what I will appreciate them for is the fact that if I was booking for the next day mm-hmm. for longer periods of time I could choose 4 hours, 8 hours, 1 hour whatever and then keep the cab with me throughout the day. I think that is extremely no, so useful. I, I, uh, but I don't know if they were rating me. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to ask. The problem in India is that, uh, you know, there are all these problems and there are well-intentioned measures. Like there are new labor codes in India, but again, nothing is legally enforceable or enshrined in law by yet. Yet. And um, I think Rajasthan is uh, one of the earliest, the first or one of the very few states to come up with a welfare fund for gig workers. I believe there's a 200 crore welfare fund. Um, And these are all steps being taken to kind of have some, a few or pretty like legally enforceable labor codes. But again, what can all these people do? Yeah. Um, till such time that these are not then this is a labor problem because at the end of the day this 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 is not a very profitable business like i keep saying it it's taken almost one and a half decades for uber to become profitable blue smart has ambitious plans to scale up consistency at scale is so hard to do and how yeah. are you going to like be consistently um you know offer these kinds of quality services which you're known for right now Tomorrow, if there there are going to be situations where drivers will, are like, what the hell? We can't work like this. If you're just going to like cut slash 1000 bucks from our daily wage because because somebody complained and you didn't hear me out. Yeah. And I think ultimately the industry will face similar issues that Uber and Ola have faced in the past when it comes to gig economy workers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think, um, you know, summing up, the ride-hailing business is in a state of constant flux. Mm-hmm. Regulation has never been finalized. It's been ever-evolving. The business models have been ever-evolving. Mm-hmm. We've not had robust public transport because of which the need for these companies have arisen in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the fact that now we have a burgeoning middle class, mm-hmm. which means more and more people will want a cab or you know to go to work, to go to a theater, to go to a mall. And I think these companies definitely have a role to play. But what's going to be challenging is figuring out the business model to turn profitable and to be sustainable as a business hmm. and to deal with ever ever challenging regulation, which is not center specific, but very state specific. Like, for example, Bangalore suddenly decides that they don't want bike taxis, even though Ola said they launched their S1 fleet of bike taxis in Bangalore, which they'd uh-huh. earlier withdrawn mm-hmm. and then re-entered the market, right? So those are going to be challenges that are still there. And then in other states, you also have auto unions, right? Exactly. That are against. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the key here is actually, it will boil down to winning customer trust, customer loyalty and customer service. I don't know. I see, I think, the, you know, the problem with ride hailing in my mind, Rajneel, is everybody is competing. You're only competing on two things. Even if you're an, you know, even if you're like, we, we have EVs, we have all these amazing things we're doing for people. You are competing on wait times yeah, and <laughs> prices. Like who's able to offer the most competitive, competitive being dirt cheap price and whose wait time is the least. That is literally why, that is what That's makes true. you choose, you know, one over the other. And that is, that is the business model if you think of it. So to our listeners, 
Do you own a car or do you depend on ride-hailing apps for your travel? Do let us know. A lot of people who own cars also use ride-hailing, like yeah, you, yeah. Rajni. No, no, that's me. But no, but that's true. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Tectonic Shift, which was made possible by our producer Shorburi, who also helped us on the research. We have Manas and Nirvan on the sound editing, Purvika on the artwork, and Harshvardhan Singh on the original music. We changed our music. I don't know if our listeners observed it, but do let us know what you think about our new music. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Tectonic Shift. Do rate and review us on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. It would really help us. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and threads on thesignal.co. If you want to know more about what's happening and some of the things we discuss, subscribe to our daily free newsletter, The Signal, on www.thesignal.co. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks, Rashmi.